Hey everyone, welcome to Tom French Preaching. This is the podcast of me, Tom French, preaching, just like the title says. I'm a guy who lives in Melbourne and does Bible talks for youth and other people around Australia and all over the internet. I'm also the author of Weird, Crude, Funny and Nude, The Bible Exposed, the very best book that I have ever written. For more information about my book or to see what else I've been up to, go to my website, tomfrench.com.au. And with that, let's get on with the talk. I don't know if you're often in situations where you feel really uncomfortable, like like you're not really part of the group. Uh, That seems to happen semi-regularly to me. And there's sometimes when it seems like it's the, you feel the most uncomfortable. And for me, that often happens when I've been overseas in a country where I don't speak the language. And that is where I feel the most left out because I'm not like the people I'm with and I can't speak the language of the people that I'm with. And things sometimes can go a bit wrong. When my sister uh, was getting married, she was living in Guatemala. And in Guatemala, she met a man there who was a Guatemalan man. And in Guatemala, they speak Spanish, not English. And so she was getting married in this Spanish-speaking country and I had went over to be at the wedding. And so I traveled for like 36 hours with my dad and we got there, we arrived, we met her family or her, the people who were soon to be her family. And we had this dinner with them and then we had dessert and like tea and coffee. There's some debate in my family about exactly how this whole thing happened. But, uh, you know, I'm going to tell you my version of the story. And, uh, and it was time to go to bed and I was really tired. And so I knew that I needed to, you know, say goodnight. And I remembered that I'd, you know, learned some Spanish so I could talk to people. And I knew that to say goodnight, I have to say, buenas noches. So I went around the room saying goodnight to everyone, saying buenas noches, buenas noches, buenas noches, buenas noches. And then I headed off to bed. And I thought, you know, things had gone really well, saying goodnight, 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 goodnight. But what I didn't know is that I didn't say buenas noches. I said, Buenas Nachas, which if you uh, know Guatemalan, you think there's a particular thing in Guatemala is that when you say Buenas Nachas, you're not saying good night, but you're saying you have a nice bottom. (laughs) But you're saying it in a more crude way. So I went around the room talking to her family saying, nice butt, nice butt, nice butt, nice butt, see ya. And then I went to bed and so they, all would have either felt very offended or very complimented by me when I went to bed. Now, I, I didn't know what had happened because I didn't speak the language. And when you don't speak the language, you can feel like an outsider, like you are not accepted. I know that when I've come home from overseas and I've arrived back in Australia and I've heard people speaking English and speaking English the way I speak English, then I'm like, oh, I'm home. I'm back where I belong. Well, in this story, we see some crazy things happening with language. It all starts at the time of Pentecost. And Pentecost is a a big, like, holy festival that happens when people from all over the known world, all these Jews uh, would gather in the city of Jerusalem. It was kind of like a Coachella for holy people. And so they would all gather together to worship God. And they, they were all there and... 
And all of um, Jesus' followers were also there because Jesus had been living on earth with them and then he had died on the cross and then he had risen again and he'd spent 40 days uh, back to life with his followers and he said to them, you need to wait because I'm going to go back into heaven, but then God's going to do something big. God is going to send his presence to be with you. And so you just need to wait. And so they're waiting. Jesus has gone up into heaven. It's been about a week since he's disappeared into heaven. And so they're there and they're waiting and they're praying in this room. And then this amazing thing happens. It tells us that it is like the sound of this violent wind that comes into the room. And, this, and then it's like little flames come and rest on people's head. And this is a sign that God has turned up, that God has sent his Holy Spirit, which is God's presence on earth. God, you can't see his presence, but his presence comes and lives in you. Instead of being God being out there, he is now in here. And when the flames come and rest on each person, saying God now can live in each and every person who will have him. And so now there they are and God's presence has come to rest on them. And then they all get this ability to start speaking languages that they don't know. And so they head out into the streets and they start preaching. It would be like if I just started talking Italian. I don't know Italian, but suddenly I could talk Italian. Or if Emily started talking Chinese. You can't talk Chinese. No, it, no there you go. It'd be like if Eddie started talking fluent meme. It'd be like that. Can you speak meme? No, there you go. So it would... It'll be people speaking languages that they don't know, but there they are speaking them fluently. And people from all over the world hear these languages. They hear their language. And as people hear their language, they're hearing this story being told, a story of something that had happened in Jerusalem, the city that they are in less than two months earlier, about a man who had been killed even though he had done nothing wrong. And then he had come back to life to show that he was the Lord of the universe. And this is a sign when God speaks to his people that he is speaking in their language to show that he is accepting them. And then Peter stands up and everyone's hearing their language and he stands up to speak and explain what's happening. And there's some people like, what's going on? These people are all drunk, which is strange. I don't know if they've ever met a drunk person, but drunk people don't suddenly learn new languages. They just lose their original one. Like that's <laughs> what happens. And so he's there and he's like, oh, you know, we couldn't be drunk. It's nine in the morning, which is cute because I've definitely seen drunk people at nine in the morning. But, you know, Peter was very well behaved, which is nice to know. Uh, so he stands up and he starts talking to them and he tells them uh, what is going on. And he refers to this old prophecy that has been in the Bible in the book of jo Joel. And uh, if you look in your Bibles, if you've still got them there in the book of Acts 2, uh, this is... Uh, what he says. Uh, this is from verse 17. It says, In the last days, <clears throat> God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will see visions. Your old men, sorry, your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
And what Peter is saying is saying this, we are now in the time when God is doing the last big thing that he's going to do in the world before he wraps everything up. And the last big thing that he's going to do is what, first he came to be with us in his son Jesus, but now Jesus is gone and now God comes to live in each and every person who will put their trust in him. God is for everyone, he is saying. If you are young or old, if you are rich or poor, if you are a man or a woman, whoever you are, whatever you are like, God is for you. And that's the, that's the point of the languages, that God speaks your language, God speaks to you, and the Holy Spirit comes and lives with you because God is for you. God is for everyone. And this is, really, this is different to how we see God often. Like we see God as distant and out there and hard to approach. He, we see him as too important sometimes and too powerful for us. Now you guys you know, heard me talking before about my book. And uh, having written a book, I've spent a lot of the time figuring out how I can get people to read my book. Because half the work of a book is writing it and the other half of the work is making sure that people know about it so they can read it. And so one of the plans that I came up with was like, well, what I really would like is if I could get someone really famous to read my book and then they could let everyone know about my book. It's like, like if, for instance, I could get Selena Gomez and she could read my book and then talk about it on Instagram because she's got millions of followers. She'd be like, this is so funny. And then everyone be like, wow, that's a funny book. And I'd be like, that'll work so well. But I don't know Selena Gomez and she's probably not going to be interested in my book. So I had to think, well, she can't be my influencer, but who can? And so I started thinking through who are these, who are famous people who might like Jesus and think a book with a bum on the front is funny. And so I had two options that I came up with. I was like, Justin Bieber and Chris Pratt. They are my two options. And I was like, well, there is Justin Bieber. And, uh, you know, he does love Jesus. But uh, he also, I don't know, he, he tends to stick his bum on Instagram more than he would probably stick my book on Instagram. So I'll leave him. But then I was like, but then there's Chris Pratt. And he likes making the jokes. And he likes talking about Jesus on Instagram. I'm like, he's perfect. I've got to get my book in Chris Pratt's hands. So how can I do it? Because Chris, Chris Pratt is famous and unapproachable. So how will I get to him? And I was like, well, maybe I could figure out someone who knows Chris Pratt. I'm like, I don't know anyone who knows Chris Pratt. And I was like, I don't know anyone who knows anyone who knows Chris Pratt. And like, maybe if I'm lucky, I know someone who knows someone who knows someone who knows someone who knows Chris Pratt. I was like, that's probably a bit hard. I probably can't go through all those people to get my book into Chris Pratt's hands. I was like, the other option is maybe I could turn up to one of those red carpet events. And then while everyone's there, you know, screaming, going, Chris Pratt, Chris Pratt. I'll be like, Chris Pratt, read my book, read my book. And then I thought about that. I was like, I don't really want to do that either because that's very uncomfortable to be squashed up against a fence for hours, waving my book in Chris Pratt's face. And he's probably not going to take it anyway. So I was like, I just, I'm just going to have to post it to him and hope that he reads it. So I went on the internet. I found this service which gives you the addresses for celebrities. It's really good and a bit creepy. But... <laughs> But I found his address, not his home address. I decided not to send it there. I sent it to his office address where his management is. I was like, I'm going to send him the book. I'll write him a note and hope that he reads it. And so I wrote it and sent it off. And the good news is that he read it and he loved it. And now I'm a multimillionaire. <laughs> that's not true. Well, the good news is I found out that it got taken by a receptionist and that's all I know. <laughs> it's disappeared. 
because Chris Pratt is really hard to get to. There's a lot of layers between me and Chris Pratt because he's out there and important and it's so hard to reach him. And we often think of life like that. There are those people who are important and high and mighty and difficult to get to. And our life is about, well, we want to get to those people. We want to get to those positions. Like you want more power and more status and we work to those people. Like even at school, you're like, you know, if I can get in good with the teachers and maybe in with the executive, then I'll do well at school. Then they'll, you know, give me more opportunities. Like everything's about climbing the ladder to, to get to where you want to get to. And so it would make a lot of sense that that would be how we would relate to God. That if God is so important, that he would be hard to reach. And there's a reason why when you look at the way people worship God around the world, that they don't do it, you know, in caves, in valleys where no one can see. No, people worship God by building altars on top of mountains or building pyramids or ziggurats. Like they make these structures to get you closer to heaven so that you can get to God. But the whole story of the Bible is not that we have to climb up to get to God, but that God comes down, that God comes to us, that we cannot get to him, but that he comes down to us. Now, you guys might know the story of Babel, the Tower of Babel in the Bible. If you don't know it, it doesn't matter. I'm going to tell you. Right back at the beginning of the Bible, there is a story about how all the people on the earth got together and they're like, we're a pretty good bunch of people. We've got a lot of skills. Why don't we build ourselves a tower? And that tower, with that tower, we'll reach all the way up into heaven. And then we won't need God because we'll have our own tower. This will be great. And so they start building this tower. And then uh, it tells us that God then comes down to them. And I'm going to read you a little bit. This is from Genesis chapter 11. It says this, But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the whole earth. From there, the Lord scattered them over the whole earth. And what this story is telling us is that God has looked at the world and people have said, we don't need God, we can do things by ourselves. So they try and build this tall tower. It's so tall that, you know, God has to come all the way down to see. It's like, where is that tower? Oh, there it is. And then he comes down and then he's like, but if they're going to try and live without me, then I'm going to confuse their language so that they know that they can't do things by themselves. And so then this starts the story that finishes in this story here in Acts that we've got to. Because we see all the way through the Bible, this story of God that he keeps coming down. In the Old Testament, it tells us that God comes down in a cloud of glory or a pillar of fire to show his presence among his people. And in the New Testament, we see the story that God comes down as a man in Jesus Christ to live with us. And then Jesus goes back up into heaven. Then once again, God comes down in this story to live in anyone who puts their trust in him, in his Holy Spirit. And God comes down and helps people to speak other languages so that people would know that God is reaching out for them. That you don't need to go and find God to learn his language. He comes to you and speaks your language. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, you, like God speaks English, but he does. He speaks all languages. What it's saying is that God is personally with 
each and every one who wants him to be with them. That he knows your deepest thoughts and he loves you as you are and he wants to be in relationship with you. He wants you in his family. God is for everyone. And God comes down to you so that you might know him. Now, we need to keep going because things take a dark turn. After this great news that God is for everyone because he speaks their language, then Peter does this weird thing that he stands up and keeps talking. And he's like, and by the way, you guys killed Jesus. And that would probably make things a little bit awkward, I think. You're gathered there like, oh, look, everyone's speaking other languages. What? I killed who? What? And, but this is what he says. If you keep looking, and this is from verse 22 in Acts chapter 2. It says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And, it, and so what he's saying is that there was Jesus God himself doing amazing miracles, loving people, and still all these people who were in Jerusalem, they turned on Jesus and had him killed. And it says that Peter's words were so powerful that it says that people were cut to the heart. And so they turned to Peter and they said, what shall we do? And so Peter turns to them and says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all whom God will, the Lord our God will call. Now you would expect if someone said you killed God's son and they said, what should we do? That he would say nothing. There's nothing you can do. You just have to wait because God's going to send an earthquake. He's going to open up the earth and you are all going to be swallowed in because God is very angry with you. That's what you would expect. But instead he says, if you put your trust in God, and you know that this Jesus who died and rose again is God of the universe, who gave his life so that you might be forgiven. You and all your friends and family, they can be forgiven. That you can be forgiven for the things that you have done. And I don't know how you feel about God, but maybe you feel like God shouldn't love you. That you know what you are like and you know the things you've done and you, and you look at the th bad things that happen in your life and you think, this is God punishing me. Because I'm not a good person. Well, the good news for you is that God isn't out to get you. That God isn't out to punish you. God is out to forgive you. When I first uh, met Em, uh, I started dating her. Not straight up. I didn't first meet her. We hung out for a bit. And then, and then I started dating her. But, but when, before I met her family, I stalked her on Instagram to figure out who her family was. And I went through all her photos on Facebook. And then I saw that she had a brother and I was like, oh, a brother, this is a worry. And I looked at her brother, and he was this big guy with a beard. And, he's like, and I'm like, this, she's got a scary older brother. And I was worried. Like, I don't know if any of you are watching Married at First Sight, but there's a brother on that who has like a neck tattoo. And he's like, if you hurt my sister, I'm going to kill you. And I'm like, I'm like, that's what I was worried about with her brother. And so I was like, I've got to be really careful around this guy or I might get in trouble. And then I met him, and he wasn't her scary older brother. He was a very, very friendly younger brother. And he is lovely. He looks a little bit scary, but he is the nicest guy you will ever meet. He's like, what can I do for you? Can I give you a lift? Can I, you know, get you something? Like, he's the nicest guy ever. And, and what I thought was someone who might be out to get me turns out to be someone who is for me. 
And the great news about God is that we might think he is out to get us, but in fact, God is for us. He, we know that he is for us because we've seen it, that he sent his son Jesus to die for us so that we might be forgiven and welcomed into his family. The good news of Jesus is that God is not out to get you and, the, and that God doesn't want to punish you for the things you've done wrong. He wants to forgive you because of what Jesus has done. And then the very last thing that I think this shows us in this story is not only that if God isn't out to get you and that, that if God is for you and he is for everyone, then we get to be for everyone too. That if Jesus loves you and he, and he died for you, then he also loves your friends and your family and the people around you who you don't like, he is for them too. And so just as God has honored you by speaking your language and coming to find you, we can be people who love others around us, no matter who they are and what they're like, and we can honor them. Because if God is for you, then he is also for them, and we can treat other people with dignity and respect too. So, if you are not a Christian, if, you haven't, if you're not someone who's put their trust in Jesus, then the challenge for you in this is to say, what do I think God is like? Do I think God is out there, inaccessible, someone that I can't know? Or is he like what we see in Jesus? A man who came and lived and loved and died and rose again so that I might know God and might be forgiven. What do you think God is like? And if he is like Jesus, will you put your trust in him? And if you are a Christian, then what this means for you is one that you don't need to be afraid of God. And you don't need to worry that the things that are going on in your life, the bad things are God punishing you. No, God has shown that he loves you in his son, Jesus. And two, the challenge then is how can we go and love other people? If God has loved us and he is for everyone, then how can we too be for everyone? I'm going to say a quick prayer. Uh, and then if you have any questions, you can ask them. How would I pray? Uh, Father God, thank you that you showed us that you were for us, that you want to welcome us into your family, that we are not outsiders, but you make us insiders by what your son did for us if we put our trust in him. We thank you that you speak our language, that you know our hearts, and that you know exactly what we are like, and still you love us, and still you have life for us in your son, Jesus. I pray that we will trust in you and take the love that you have shown us and take it to the world. Amen. Well, that was the talk, and I hope it was helpful for you. If you want more talks or to read my blog or order my book or even to book me to speak, remember to go to tomfrench.com.au. It's my home on the internet. You can also find me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TWFrench or on Insta at TWFrench. And don't forget to give this podcast a rating and review wherever you get your podcast so that other people might be able to discover it too. Till next time, have a good one.